0: If you'd uh, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter nine this morning, as we continue to um, walk through this um, great story, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, from the Holy Spirit inspired Mark, the servant of the apostles' perspective, as he started the as he started the gospel, you remember back in chapter one months ago, and when we looked at this, he he says he was writing this so that we could know who Jesus, the Son of God, is. And that's what we've been learning. That's what we've been seeing all the way through this. And so last week, as we looked at this ninth chapter, we saw the amazing experience that three of the apostles had with the Lord Jesus and Moses and Elijah on what we refer to as the Mount of Transfiguration. We're not exactly sure which mountain it was because it isn't, it isn't labeled here, but it's one of the mountains up in northern up in the northern area of the you know of Palestine, up above Galilee, somewhere up in there. And on that mountain, Jesus invited Peter, James, and John to go up with him. And while he was up there, Moses and Elijah, men who had died hundreds of years earlier, but are still alive because they're believers. And the Word of God promises that those of us who believe will never die, even though we won't be living on this, in this earth, will never die. And those two guys showed up with Jesus, and, and Jesus was transfigured before them, which means he was shining so bright they could hardly look at him. It was an amazing experience. And we're going to pick up now um, where they're coming down from that experience um, here in Mark chapter 9. Look at verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as is written about him. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. "O unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, he immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and dumb spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Then he left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were were because he was teaching his disciples. And he said to them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days, he will rise. But they did not ask him, they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. What an amazing event that the apostles got to witness. Not just the three that got to see Jesus transfigured, which, which was amazing in itself. But then also the experience of him coming down the mountain and having that face-off with that demon that had possessed that boy, that young man. And to see the power of God through the Son of God, Jesus, do that work, but then to also understand from Jesus the importance of prayer. Have you noticed that we've prayed a few times this morning? It's not an unusual, it's not an unusual Sunday morning. If you're, if you're a visitor here, this is your first or second time, we pray a lot. On Sunday mornings, we pray a lot. Whenever we get together, the reason we do so is because Jesus, as He does in this particular passage, He lets us know that prayer is one of the most important things that we can do. The disciples had had already; these apostles had already been commissioned by Jesus. They'd already gone out, and, and numerous times, healing people and, and casting out demons. But in this particular case, they tried and they tried and they tried. And remember, there were nine of them. This is nine on one. And nothing happened. Nothing would happen. They, they weren't seeing this, this man delivered from this demon. What was, the, what was the problem? Well, Jesus said, this kind will only come out through prayer. There's there, this, this particular demon that was that was possessing that boy for whatever reason. We don't know why a, a a stronger kind of demon, and and we think this is this is some pretty weird stuff. Think you know thinking about demons, and and did you pick up on the scripture reading this morning? thinking, what was that about? What Daniel was experiencing again, hundreds of years before this experience, Daniel found out. That why he had to wait for three weeks on the answer to his prayer was because this really strong demon was fighting against the angel that was bringing the answer to the prayer. We don't, we don't think about angels being involved in these things and demons and, and all that kind of thing. But, there, but th- that stuff's happening. We don't see it. Now, occasionally, Hebrews 13 tells us that occasionally, we might see an angel and not realize it because they, they appear in the form of a person. And he's given us an opportunity, God's given us an opportunity to show our Christian hospitality to angelic beings. It doesn't say it happens a lot, but it says it can happen. That might be the only time we might see anything like this. But Jesus, in this particular case, let his disciples know that sometimes the answer to our prayers hasn't come yet because, like in Daniel's case, it's being opposed by by a, a demonic force in the world that we can't see and that we need to pray because that is the means that God has decided to use to overcome that demonic force and to, and to help the angels, however that, again, however all that works out, we don't know all the details, but to help the angels do their, do their job. Do You remember what the writer of Hebrews said about angels? In chapter one, verse 14, the writer of Hebrews said that angels are ministering spirits sent to help those who are inheriting salvation. Sometimes they're used to bring the answers to our prayers, as Daniel experienced in Daniel, in Daniel 10. Well, here, Jesus says this kind that was possessing that particular boy could only come out by prayer. Now, some of the, uh, some of the translations also include the, the, the phrase, "...and fasting." And that—that's possible that Jesus may have said both of those things, but probably not because um, they wouldn't have had time during this little short experience that they were having with this guy to to ha- have a special fast for this particular case. So it's probably correct in the way that um, the, the version is that that we read this morning from the NIV that he, that he said it's through prayer. Sometimes we have to keep praying. Now this man, the, the the father of this of this boy who brought the boy, he was expecting quick action. He had heard that Jesus, in his his ministry, and his disciples, in their ministry, he had heard that they could cast out demons. And he knew his son had one. He'd He'd been living that terrible experience with his son all those years. So he finally had his opportunity, got his son to the right place, the right people, and nothing happened. When Jesus showed up, he had new hope. He was discouraged. He said, if you can do anything, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the one who created everything that they were standing around, created them, if he can do anything. And Jesus repeated that for him. If you can do, if, if you can. He said, all things are possible for those who believe. And that prompted that man to make his great statement. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. How can that be? Do you ever feel that way? Have you ever quoted that in prayer yourself? I believe, Lord. Help me in my unbelief. And Jesus, as patient as he is, and remember, that's one of the things that we see over and over and over again in the Gospels, and in this Gospel of Mark. Jesus is patient. He makes, he makes one of his statements that, that shows his patience when he says, how long am I going to be with this unbelieving generation? How long am I going to have to put up with, with all this unbelief? But he's, but he's putting up with it. He's sticking it out, and He's patient. And he didn't, con- he didn't condemn that man for saying, I believe, help me in my unbelief. He encouraged him by doing the work that needed to be done in that boy's life. Now, in, in the case of Jesus, God Himself intervening in, the, in this boy's life in, in combating that particular demon, He didn't need any more prayer. Jesus is Jesus. Jesus is God. And God has the power over those, any of those demons. But he has chosen, as as Jesus here clearly explains, he has chosen to use prayer in the process of him doing his work, whatever that work might be. And sometimes it requires more prayer than other times. We don't always understand that. We don't always understand why. We, as I mentioned, as we, as we were singing that song, you know, he's never late. Sometimes we feel like he's very late. But that's us having to overcome our unbelief. And so as we continue to read the word of God, as we continue to see what God does and what he's declared and what, he, and what he's spoken and what he's done for us in his death, Remember, he at the end of this story, he takes the guys aside and, and reminds them again, as he's been doing in these last couple of, ch- of chapters, reminding them what is going to have to happen. He's going to die. They don't get it. He's going to rise again. What's he talking about? But he tells them over and over again, because that's what's required to make all of this that we're reading about, all of this that we're experiencing, all of this that we're believing and that we're trying to believe— That work that he has done for us when he went to the cross, when he rose again, when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, when he sent and and continues to send the Holy Spirit to live in every single person that believes, that work that he has done and is doing is what makes this belief and our overcoming our unbelief possible. And so what we're doing here this morning is part of the process of overcoming our unbelief. We're reading again an amazing passage of scripture. We're reading about an amazing experience that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ had a long time ago. And their experience that happened a long time ago encourages us to keep on believing and to keep praying whatever the circumstances are. Even though we're feeling sometimes like God is kind of late in this particular case. Whatever this particular case might be. I think if I were God, have you ever said that? (laughs) You know, we all have probably we've all at least thought it. If I were him, I would. And then we just need to shut our mouths. (laughs) That's that's why I was kind of glad, even though it was it was crazy. I was glad that one movie came out where that where that guy got to be God you know, for, for, a short, for like an area like around Buffalo, New York or something like that, just to see how stupid that thought is. That, w- that we have that thought that if I were God, I would, no, as we read the word of God together, as we, as we worship him together, as we see over and over again the great things that he has done and the promises that he's made and the means that he's ordained to do his work like prayer. Again, it doesn't always make sense to us why he who can do all things, you know, the snap of a finger, why he allows a, a prayer request to be delayed for three weeks because of a battle between an angel and a demon? Why, why did he decide to? We don't know the answer to that. But, but he decided to do it that way. And he reveals that to us. So even though we don't necessarily understand why he cho- chooses certain means to do things, we see from his word that he does. And so we agree with that, we come to grips with that, we allow him to change our minds, our attitudes, Stop. We, we start realizing that we really don't want to be God, and that if we were God, it would be a total disaster the first moment that that took place for everybody including ourselves. And, and other misthoughts that we have on a regular basis, those thoughts are corrected, as we say, we believe, help our unbelief. As he continues to instruct us in his ways of thinking, in his ways of doing, in, in his promises and his timing. Like the promise that we sang about this morning. I can do all things, or not, not, not I can do all things, but all things work together for good. For those who love God are called according to his purpose. Like, like Joseph said in the Old Testament, when his brothers who had sold him into slavery, and remember, that was the nice option. They were going to kill him. So these terrible brothers sold him into slavery. He ends up being the president of Egypt during a, during, during a terrible famine. And now the only person that they thought would keep them safe from his wrath their dad, Jacob, is dead, and the brothers are trembling before him, and they, and they tell a lie to him, saying, hey, Jacob, your dad said before, before he died that he wanted you to take care of us in a good way. And he, and he knew they were full of it, but he made this statement in Genesis 50, verse 20. He said, what man, speaking to his brothers, what man intended for evil, God intended for good and has accomplished the saving of many people and by many people that was that was an understatement it was anybody who was still living in that part of the world it was because of that circumstance it was because joseph was sold into slavery at the hand of his evil brothers God was still able to use that, not only to to, to keep Israel going, which was a, a critical part of the story, but to keep millions of people going all through what somebody thought was... I mean, when, when that was happening to Joseph, he was probably thinking, God's late in this one, as he's in that pit, not knowing what's going to happen to him. Then as those slavers come by, and buy him, and chain him up, and take him to... He's probably thinking, there's no way something good is happening out of this. And how many times have we said that? How many times have we thought that? But no. Everything's possible for those who believe. Joseph made it. And he made it in grand style. The promise isn't always that we get to make it in grand style but we make it in the style that God intends for us to make it as he continues to grow us into the image of His son. Because remember, that's the next part of that promise. After he says all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, he says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You ever ask the question to God, Why? Why are you letting this happen? Why is this taking so long? Why can't I understand this? Why, why, why? Do you know the answer to that question, why? It's because he's making you like Jesus. There's your answer. He's given the answer. He's making you like Jesus. And the question that we could ask from the passage this morning is, are we like like that dad? Are we like the... Apostles, are we cooperating? Even though we don't understand completely. And we don't. They didn't. This dad certainly didn't. The apostles, they keep saying, what's he talking about? You know, even, even the three who just saw him transfigured as they're coming down, say, what's he mean, rise from the dead? What's he, what does he keep talking, What's he keep saying that for? They didn't get it, but they trusted him. And they cooperated with him. And eventually, eventually, they got it. And when they got it, you know what happened? This book that we're reading here this morning, this gospel, was written because they got it. The other gospels were written because they got it. The epistles were written because they got it. The revelation at the end, we have because they got it. They did amazing work with the truths of the things that they were finding out when they didn't get it. But they kept on. And so I want to encourage you this morning. There are plenty of times when we are just like that dad and we say, I believe. I do believe. But help me in my unbelief because I'm really struggling with this one. I'm really, having a ha- I'm really having a hard time understanding or, or continuing to praise you in the midst of whatever this struggle is that I'm having right now. And you think about the struggles that we're having right now, there are, there are a lot of them right here in this place. And we can say with that man, we can say with these apostles, we believe. Help our unbelief. We want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to be a, a, a positive factor, a shining light in this world. You know, I was thinking about, about Julia Barrett, who, who got her picture in the paper, you know, as, as the teacher of the year, you know, in our county. I was thinking, what a, what a great opportunity our teachers have to shine in this culture that we live in, as we were describing that culture in that one song this morning. As as we're in such despair and so much confusion, all those kind of things. We have these great teachers that have that opportunity to shine. Well, all of us have that opportunity to shine in this culture. Even though we don't completely get it, even though we don't have the the strong faith that we want to have, we believe, help us, Lord, in our unbelief and trust that he will be patient with us just as he was patient with that dad, as he was patient with those apostles. He will do his work in his time as he conforms us, each of us, to the image of his son, as he brings us through the difficulties of our lives, finding ways for us to bring him glory, even in the tough ones, even in the hard ones. I've been thinking a lot about Ruth Sanders, and those of you who know Ruth, um, know that she passed away this, pa- you know, a couple days ago. Her uh, her funeral is going to be tomorrow. But I, I know where she sat back there, and, and, uh, and, I, and I got encouragement from her every time she was able to come. And she was going through a rough, rough time these last couple of years. But God was faithful to her. He continued to use her. He continued to shine through her, even in a circumstance that she couldn't imagine how he could possibly shine through her. He shined through her to me and probably to many of you, even in the most difficult times. You know, she was so sick during COVID. And she had a doctor when nobody else could come see her. No family, no pastors, nobody could come see her. She had a doctor that every time he came to see her, he started off the visit with a a word from God's, a, a passage from God's word and prayer. And she took that and she continued to shine for every single other person, every other person that came to work on her, that came to treat her, she shined brightly for Christ even through the most difficult times. It was hard for her to come to church. When she did, she shined brightly for us. God does that in every one of our lives as we continue to grow in our faith, as our faith is is grown and strengthened by his word, by our fellowship within his word as we work on these things as we as we walk through these things together he continues to grow us in our faith and he and he's not going to make any of us one of his original apostles but he's going to shine through us like he did through them this morning i hope you believe but if you don't let me encourage you look at what jesus said Look at who Jesus is and believe according to the accounts of these men who walked with him, who saw him do these things. They went to their death based on their belief in their statements that, that, that he did these things. He is worthy of your belief. I would encourage you this morning, put your trust in him. Believe in him as these apostles did, as this dad did put your trust in him. Let him begin to grow you in your faith as he conforms you into his image. That you can be more and more like him and shine for him in this world. Those of you who believe, keep asking him to help you with your unbelief. And keep shining for him. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for your patience with us we can identify so much with the apostles who didn't understand a lot but kept at it. They kept following. They kept listening. They kept learning. And Father, we can identify with that dad whose son was in such a terrible way. He believed in you, but he was also struggling to believe. And you helped him. You reminded him that everything's possible for those of us who believe. That you will keep your promise and make something good out of every circumstance in our lives. We believe, Father. Help our unbelief. And Father, for those who need to believe that Jesus is your son and that he is the only way to be forgiven of our sins and He's the only one who can give us the gift of eternal life. We pray that you would help anyone here this morning who's with us online that hasn't yet put their trust in him. Give them the courage. Give them the faith today. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Help my unbelief. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Thankful that your promises are true. And we pray it. Amen.